Hello, everyone. Welcome in to the is it the eleventh? Uh, yeah, I think so. November, yeah, the eleventh. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking the eleventh episode, but not the date. But yeah, it is the third of November, possibly the eve of Jack Eichel's trade. Maybe. Yeah. But anyway, I'm I'm too focused on um, so the Red Wings. Uh, I I sent out a tweet up the podcast again saying how. We talked. We talked big game. The 1920 Red Wings sweeping the the Canadians in the season series. I love how the Canadians just kind of just threw the Uno reverse card on us, and it seems like that's what's going to happen. We're just going to get swept this year. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. Along those so, lines. So yeah, I think that's like that's I, I might I might title that the episode Montreal pulls the Uno reverse. <laughs> that's something. The joke sounded a lot better in my head. Yeah. And then I'm sorry, you don't, have a, you don't have a big audience to cheer you on. It's just me. I know if Andy was here, he would have chuckled a little bit. I'm yeah, tough, by the way, I'm yeah. Tough ground. Oh, yeah, by the way, I should say I'm Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And uh Andy is currently he's in Canada. So I don't know. I don't know why I don't know why I said it like that. Like he usually does record Canada, but he's with his dad, so will not be with us today. Um yeah, so we're a little bit delayed. Uh I ended up going home. The past week, and actually, Grant and I watched a couple games together. Not a big deal. Home? Um, you mean your your parents' house? My parents' house, yes, I should say. <laughs> Our parents' house. Our parents' house. Our parents' house, and we watched the we watched the Florida and Toronto game together. But uh, yeah, it was nice to be home. Uh, Monday we would have done it Monday, but I was like, it's fighting a cold, not fun. But I'm better now. We're back, and we're gonna touch on couple of the games some storylines coming up some big news regarding one of the rookies um and yeah maybe some fun stuff towards the end with mr jack eichel we'll see if we get a trade yeah i'll be refreshing twitter during this all right um so i guess we'll jump right into um so it was the seventh game of the season against washington um i didn't really know what to expect we had a really i think we were like eight oh and two or, no, 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 I'm sorry. Washington was 8 and 2 against the Red Wings the past, like, 10 times we played. And the last time we won against the Washington, I think it was Athens first goal. Which is crazy to think about, that it's been that long. That is wild. That, um, like, I, it, you know what else is wild? That Andreas Athens is, like, 27. That also is wild. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, Overall, this game was pretty good. Um, Kind of, like... What it was was kind of the definition of the Red Wings are this year. A lot of fight. Um, gave up a lot in the beginning, uh, especially that OV goal was in the power play. Uh, really good save by Grice in the beginning. It was Grice that was in net for this game, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, it was a bad miscommunication between Cider and Ernie. Right. Uh, OV was like Ernie's guy, and then Ernie just pointed at Cider to take him when Ernie was already looking, or when Cider was already looking at the play. And so right. that Ernie should have realized that and just dropped down or said something to Cider rather right. than point. So, uh, yeah, big save by Grice on the first shot. And then uh, Ovi being the best goal scorer to ever play in the league, finds a way to bury it. Yeah, crazy. Oh, it was like like a little bit before that there was like uh, – uh, there was a little, our power play was kind of like – our power play is going to be kind of a, kind of a talking point in this episode. 
Hugh Suter had a really good chance of that blocker save by Vanacek. Or it was, yeah, it was Vanacek in that, right? Yeah. Yep. Vanacek. Uh, um, I, I thought he was horrible at rebound control that whole game. Yeah. Bad. Uh, yeah. He, he struggled that game. So it was, I'm trying to think. Who scored the first goal in this game? For Why Detroit? Yeah. Uh, dude. Uh, Ernie. 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 This was a big one. Okay. I knew it was something important because, okay, so Philip Ronick was scratched the prior oh, yes. two games for this. And he made, like, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Nemesnikov that finds Hronik in the slot. Hronik fake shots, goes all the way down below the circle, comes out. Vanacek, some, like, some reason, like, follows him. Like, he's almost watching the play the whole time. I, yeah, that's bad. And then kind of gets tied up. Like, Mantha, Mantha, this is Mantha. Hronik was Mantha's guy, which is really funny. Because we're playing <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Mantha's first game against the Red Wings. So that was really funny. Dennis Shalowski, yeah. unfortunately, didn't play, which would have been awesome. Because we, we would have torched him defend like if him playing Whoa, defense. Whoa, chill. He's, He's not good. Def- He's got He's something to prove. Yeah, maybe. Nick Jensen had something to prove in this game. Anyway, um, yeah, Hironic throws it out front. Ernie bangs in into an empty net. And I was, I was really happy for Ernie. I think Ernie's been he's been a guy that's like I don't know he's kind of gone under the radar this year as like I mean obviously there's a lot of big stories coming or like a lot of our big players but I think Ernie's had quietly like a very good start to the year yeah maybe aside from uh, yesterday's game I could agree with that <laughs> um yeah yeah now back to Nick Jensen he was trying to fight like every Red Wing on the on the team. Well, he put kind of a, a borderline hit on Raymond early in the game. And I was surprised to see Larkin, like, get so aggressive on Jensen, considering they were teammates in the past. But him and Larks were going at it kind of all game, which was a little odd to me. But I, I do remember him. He uh, didn't Bertuzzi fight him at a prospects camp. Jensen and Bertuzzi fought at a prospects camp. Did they actually? Back in the day. I don't know if you remember that at all. No. They scrapped. I'm pretty sure. That's crazy. I, don't quote me on that. I think I remember that happening, though. I don't remember that. Um, could have happened. It's weird to think of Nick Jensen as a prospect, as he was drafted in, like, 2010. Yeah, they were different. Yep, Nick Jensen, Tyler Bertuzzi, 2013 fight. Oh, yep. yeah, wow. So, so Nick Jensen would have been, like, 21, 22, and Bertuzzi would have been 18. I wonder if, like, the guys didn't really care for Jensen not to be mean or anything, but, like, like usually when you Mm. have, like, a teammate like that, you're not, like, going at it with them all night. And Larkson, Jensen were going at it quite a bit. I don't know. That's – it's a good – like, it's it's an interesting thought. I love Nick Jensen, honestly. I still love him. Yeah, what is he? He's 29 now? 30? No, he's 32, I think. Oh, I'm way off. Or, yeah, no, he's drafted in 2009. Yeah, he's not 20. <laughs> well, he was a really late bloomer. Like, he cracked the Red Wings at like 26, 27, I think. Yeah, okay. I was thinking that was more like 25. Yeah, because he was a four year college player at um, St. Cloud. Yeah. And then he played like two or three years in Grand Rapids. And like, everyone kind of like wrote him off. They're like, yeah. And then, yeah, he cracked the team. And he honestly, like, he was pretty good for the Red Wings. Like, on a bad Red Wings team, he was a pretty bright spot. Like, I thought he was our most consistent defenseman. Right. Game in, and we game traded out. him. 
We traded him for a second round pick and he was a fifth round pick. So that's I mean that's great. That's yeah, value Madison right Bowie. Ow, ow, ow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we like we go down like oh yeah, Kuznetsov. That goal was weird. So can we uh, an important note here because you um mentioned the uh Ernie goal. Ernie goal. Uh right. the Red Wings were down two to zero in this game. Oh yeah, I totally skipped over the Kuznetsov goal. That's why I was bringing that up. Yeah. Yep. So the, it was a two to zero game. This game feels like it was so long ago, and it was only I, a week ago. It literally was literally was Wednesday. We've both had a uh, pretty busy schedule here. <laughs> it's insane. Um, yeah. So Kuznetsov, like, wasn't it Rasmussen that was on the center for that one? Yep. Uh, it was on the penalty kill, and right, Kuzi like, just kinda... I'm, and like I'm gonna bring up Rasmussen later, but like this one wasn't his fault at all. Like I'm not trying to like dog the guy here. Like he he like loses like the draw like kind of like bounces the other way. And then, like, Kuznetsov just shoots it right off the draw. Yeah. And that's a weird one for Grice. It was a really smart play by Kuznetsov. I was watching it with Dad, and Dad was pissed about the the uh, celebration. Did, did not like did <laughs> that not like surprise me. He did not like it. Neither did uh, Menon, Menon Rayom. Really? He didn't like it either, no. Well, she's I know. Great. She's been great. I really like her. I, I like I her do too. Valley she's, Sports. She's good. Um. I the only problem I have with that goal on Rasmussen's end is for a guy that's our defensive centerman per se from uh head coach Jeff Blaschel and top down. I think you need to be stronger there and have better awareness of where the puck is because he kind of lost the puck. And I understand that shouldn't have been a goal from right there. But Grice also wasn't ready for that. It was a weird shot. Be better on the like pucks. A- Again, like, okay, so I, I guess I'll bring this up now. So I was doing research for an article that I, I might or might not do. I don't know. But anyway, I was like, I was going through Natural Stat Trick, which is like kind of like an analytics um, website, but it keeps okay. track of like face-offs and stuff. Michael Rasmussen is actually pretty good in the draws this year. Yeah, he should be six foot six. He's, he's, at, he's at 53%. Cool. You should be at 65% if you're six foot six. I'd win every draw if I was six foot six. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I had this I'm conversation just, just... last night with, with, with Tallywhacker. Tallywhacker. We, we were talking about how embarrassing it is to be six foot six and be that soft on pucks, that soft in every aspect of the game. I would at least be 65% in the faceoff circle. If I, <laughs> I don't think six. so, but okay. I, dude, I swear. All right. Um, funny, so I'm going to go a little bit off topic with me quick, but Tallywhacker will appreciate this. I don't know if, I don't know if he told you, but I, yes. I was playing him in fantasy. I yeah, beat him so mad. <laughs> I beat him in the last game possible. I so I I passed him by point one points, yep, and then Everly had like two shots. Yeah, and Jared I, McCann was on uh, COVID protocol. COVID protocol, and that's why I won. <laughs> He's like, we were watching that game together too, and he was like, "Dude, if Jared McCann was on COVID protocol, I would have won. He would have had he at least two goals. He, <laughs> little, legit, legit, no, like, no, he probably would have won shot like the shot battle. Yeah." Because Everly hasn't been that good. No, Everly like, snizzed that game too, though. But Dougie Hamilton really like brought things close. Because like, I literally told Emma, like, being, I was like looking at my fantasy team like while we were together, and she's like, well, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm down by like 30 points. But Dougie Hamilton had 10 shots that game and had a goal. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. I, I'm off to a hot start. I'm 3-0 right now, but I'm playing uh, the Thomas Grice Stan account. So Nice. Fugue. Uh, yeah, Fugue. Uh and he's he's the only good 
player in my division. So <laughs> this is gonna be a battle this an, week. I have an easy week. I've I've uh, Gaetano. Oh. <laughs> I have an easy week. I'm already destroying him. Um, I was gonna say, I don't think I oh, I don't think I added in my lines today. Whatever. Um, anyway, uh, back to this game. I like Lily Brain farted, but yeah, the Kuznetsov was is just a weird bounce. I don't really blame him. So yeah, it was two nothing. And they come back with the like the Hironic play to Ernie, which I thought Hironic played very well, like responding to two scratches, which is exactly what we wanted from this. That's what we said. This was a message. Obviously, a little bit had to do with Gus Lindstrom get being injured. Because yeah, I didn't mention which, Gus. I would like to note that we've missed Gus Lindstrom, in my opinion, quite drastically. I think he's yes. been a bright spot for us in the back end. Yeah, again, that was part of my article i was writing it was like defensively other than like obvious who we'll get to in a little while um gus lindstrom has been like very good um he is skating it's just blashell said he needs a couple practices before he gets in the game so i'm assuming he'd probably be in for saturday versus buffalo yeah or sunday against vegas because he had said that uh he will not be in tomorrow and that was like tuesday he said that so yeah i'm hoping to see him in the lineup saturday night and if not sunday Yep. Um, he's been honestly one of the biggest bright spots that was unexpected this season, in my opinion. I didn't expect him to take these steps. So right. far, it's early yet, but I've loved his game. I've been knocking him down so much, and like I feel bad about we, it. We like, both, we both have. Like and when he now, first now cracked, time to gas him up. Usually, like usually when a prospect like makes the Red Wings, I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. But like when Gus Lindstrom first made the Red Wings, I'm like, he's not that good. Because this alpha, alpha, like he played in the Alpha Fans game, which is the second Swedish league, and I was like, eh, it's, he, his numbers aren't good. Um, he's fine, like he's like pretty inoffensive. And last year when he played again, he was like, yeah, okay. Um, but then first couple games this year, I was like, wow, like I mean, he made like biggest thing with him is he needs to limit his like really obvious turnovers. He'll have like one a game where I'm like, holy shit. But otherwise, he's completely sound. Like you don't notice him, and it's great. And he started, I think the last game he played, the game before he got, like, I was out. I think he played, like, 19 minutes. Yeah, and he is always racking up shot blocks. Um, A big reason, I think, that we were on the Gus Lindstrom hate train was probably because him and Shalowski were kind of battling together. Right, probably. A a couple times, and we're like, wow, Shalowski is a way more fun player because he can make a break you which is true which is true hadn't shown that he can be defensively responsible yet and that was going to be a strong suit and this year so far i am seeing a defensively responsible young defenseman and it's it's exciting it excites me a little bit because this could be a possible good fifth defenseman maybe fifth or sixth defenseman in the future because he's young yet yeah he's he's 22 and i i've he's just a lot more engaged this season, it seems like. Yeah, no, he's looked a lot. Him and Stahl, like, have been a really good pairing. Yep. Like, aside from the Cider-Letty pairing, like, it's been night and day. Like, other pairing, or the other pairing. I would agree, them. for sure. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, was this the first? No, no, this wasn't the first. It was the Chicago game. It was the first game of Cider to Kaiser. Which I think we talked about, but um, yeah, I think that definitely, yeah, it's definitely something we should watch. But anyway, um, 
yeah anyway back to like the key like red wings really like fought back like they made it interesting like there's a bunch of chances but then uh ernie again with the shot and then uh fabry cleans up the rebound funny thing is so i was watching no so it would have been it was well it was stetcher shot and then no no no, no. here it was was i right you're talking about the second goal right yeah second goal it was uh, Suter, or it was Fabry from Suter and Ernie, or Ernie and Suter. Okay, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I know Ernie like turned around and shot it, and yeah. then and then Fabry banked it in. Yeah. But anyway, so um, funny funny story about this. So my stream went out because mom and dad have obviously they can't watch ESPN Plus at the house because uh, we have whatever the blackout, and so I had to like fire it up on my computer, and the stream cut out and then I quickly pulled up another stream and literally it was just finishing. Like the replay was just finishing up. Oof. So I didn't see it until Twitter, but uh, no, otherwise I was pumped. Like I was great goal. Um, Troy Stetcher. Like I think Troy Stetcher, Troy Stetcher was out there, right? Or no? Was that the one he was out there? Uh, yes. He took the initial shot off the, mask of Vanacek and it bounced out. That was the shot, right? I think so. I think it was Troy Setcher. I don't know. I'm going to give Troy Setcher some credit. Anyways, yeah, I as like I said, I was watching over Discord for this game and um, I, I, I didn't even know it went in, to be honest. I thought he missed the net, so I was kind of annoyed. And then, uh, yeah, apparently nice. it went in. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, I was, I was pumped. Uh, good for Fabs. Love Fabs. Um, yeah, I, like, otherwise, like, this game, like, I, I'm still, oh, my God, I almost forgot the best part. I forgot the best part about the game. Paul Boyer, what a play. <laughs> Paul Boyer. We should sign him right now and play defense. Yeah. So, yeah, Red Wings equipment manager uh, was giving, Larkin broke his, like, got his stick slash out of his hands. It broke. Larkin was going to the bench. Paul Boyer like stuck out the stick, but like didn't move it when Kuznetsov was skating by, and Kuznetsov skated right into the stick, and Kuznetsov like fell over and like lost the puck, and then the whistle was blown. So probably I think it saved a two on one. Which yeah, was it, hilarious. Was, it was. It was a two two. It was a two two game with like two minutes left at that point. Because I thought, or I thought uh, Kuznetsov <laughs> was totally faking that he was got a stick to the face. So I was kind of annoyed at first, and. We watched the replay back, and yeah, there there was Paul Boyer, just you know, a little two hand over the, the chops. It's pretty funny. That's a tough one. Probably didn't feel too good either, like going speed, like full speed down the wall there. No, it did look a little bit of an overreaction, though. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, well, I thought like like mom and dad, like we're all we're all talking about it, and we're like probably could have been a bench minor. It should have been, yeah, for sure. Probably could have been because like it's it's your job. Like like if that happens with like an, a player stick, you know what I mean? Like if Sadina's hanging his stick off the wall and like hit Kuznetsov. It'd be like interference. Yeah. From the bench, it'd be a play, it'd be a bench minor. So yeah. I was kind of surprised on that. Like I didn't know the rule on that. And like obviously nothing happened. But yeah, that was hilarious. Uh and Thomas Grice really locked it down for the rest of the game. Like he brought us to overtime. I thought he was good in this game. Um, again, he's just kind of going back to like he's been very consistent. Besides, like obviously the Montreal game, the first Montreal game, we'll get into the other one. But uh yeah. Um so <laughs> overtime starts and like I'm like I'm all pumped, right? We just tied the game, get a point, and then all I see is Rasmussen out 
out to start the game and i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me i yeah i about had a cardiac i i thought it was over <laughs> like it was who was who was going the other way was it ov was out there OV with them? And, ov and was it koozie it was Might have been. but yeah i was like i was like wow we're gonna get worked here and like they held their own which is i think was the point and then, uh, I wouldn't go as far to say as they held their own. Right when the puck came to Rasmussen right away, uh, he ate dirt, uh, almost gave Ovechkin a breakaway, made a great play from his feet that he should have never had to make because he should have been on his feet. Right. But, uh, yeah, so that was pretty nice. Um, but, yeah, like, so they quote-unquote hold their own. Um, and then out comes the most fun three-on-three lineup I could ever think of. Larkin, Cider, and Raymond. And I I would note here that uh, Fabry did a really good job during this time right before these three come on uh, by making Ovechkin and Kuznetsov tired enough where they kind of make a late change there. Yeah, right. And that brings the momentum for Larkin, Cider, and Raymond, and they just cruise. You know yeah, that basically. song by Florida Georgia Line? It's like it goes, I want you to roll your back seat window down and your front seat window down and your driver window down and your other back seat window down and cruise. You know that Please song? Please stop. Please stop. That's like what the Red Wings did in overtime here with this pair or this this trio here. That might have been worse than my Uno reverse card mention. I don't know about that. Um, debatable. Anyway, um, so Cider chips it up to Raymond. Raymond drops it to Larkin once he gains access, like gains entry to the zone, and then immediately drives the net, which pulls the defender away. Larkin smartly shoots right above the pad, below the glove. Goal. Sweet Sally in Washington. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite part about this overtime was Right when they stepped on the ice, the three of them, Larkin and Cider were kind of playing catch, and Cider made a risky pass to Larkin, and Larkin dished it right back, and the puck kind of had bounced up on Cider, and he just so calmly just swats it out of the air back to himself. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was like, that's Crazy. that's so silly. He's been he's been he's, awesome. he's twenty. <laughs> he is twenty. I, I it's hard to remind myself. Um, yeah, so that was a fun game, and then we kind of just get to like they're like fun parts of all the other games, but I mean, obviously, they're all losses, so we gotta, yeah, break those down. But yeah, going into Friday's game, there was a lot of news mostly around the Panthers. Um, Joel Quinville, their head coach, was basically nudge, nudge, you're fired, but it wasn't fired, he resigned, um, due to the the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks sexual like sexual assault case that came to be where he actually had knowledge of it. And it came out that Kyle Beach was the player was John Doe one in the case. And I just want to say um, it took a lot for Kyle Beach to come out like that. And it means a lot for victims everywhere, like of sexual assault to show your face and like stand up and actually like fight this case and keep with it and show a little strength. So I just want to like commend Kyle for coming out very brave. Um, but yeah, I definitely think I'll comment quickly. Like the Blackhawks, it's definitely a huge mess, and I think there should been more clean. There should been more cleaning house that happened. To be honest, 
I don't know how Kevin shoveled day off of Winnipeg still has a job. Um, yeah, I think Jonathan Davis should have got some more heat. That's just me. Um, yeah, I'll change the other I, topic. I I would like to commend him too. That's it's an unthinkable thing that people have to go through, and no nobody can oh, like we can't relate to it. But it's you know how tough it is for someone to be able to stand up for themselves and and say what needs to be said and what very brave thing to do for him. He must have felt so alone the entire time, considering like how none of the players seem to be backing him at all. I want to commend like um, there's been there's been like so many other podcasts have done like a really like great job like in depth like going into like the cases like Thirty Two Thoughts, um, especially Steve Dangle podcast. They've had Rick Westhead on a couple times to, like discuss the thing. Rick Westhead was the guy who initially like really followed this case and like worked it to the end. And um, yeah. So Rick, Rick, if you want to read any of that, like Rick Westhead on Twitter, he's been awesome. Um, but yeah, Gary Bettman sucks. Uh, Bill Daly sucks. And Donald Fear sucks. I'll finish it at that. So sharp right turn into the game. Andrew, Bur- Andrew Burnett coaching his first NHL game. And I was confused because I didn't know Andrew Burnett was a coach to begin with. Um, I, haven't, I haven't heard of him since like 2002 hits. So that was that was a fun little memory. This this um, is a game going into. I actually believed that the Red Wings would win. That's simply what I was because too. I thought they would play spoiler for the Florida's undefeated team, undefeated season so far. But I, I thought with just with everything <laughs> going on that like the Florida team wouldn't really know what to do. I like didn't. I thought they were just gonna come out flat, and I thought it was gonna be like a three nothing win. Like I, I didn't think it was gonna be like a really like blowout or anything, but I thought it was gonna be like a Florida's gonna come out extremely flat and. That was going to be, but no, it was a pretty entertaining game overall. Um, I'm trying to like, I'm tr- like, I'm remembering uh, what happened. It was basically the same way the Washington game went. Uh, you had that Lusterinen goal. I can't. I should mention this was on ESPN Plus, and John Bucciagrass was calling the game, which is pretty awesome. Oh, we but... we, had, we had a couple of those chances early with Bertuzzi in front there, who could not score to save his life. And I was uh, watching that. I had it on in the car because the first 10 minutes in the car because I was driving home or back. Uh, yeah. To see you guys. But yeah, so I missed the first basically 10 minutes of it. Yeah. So it was Lerusterinen who scored the first one. Um, who t- like who shot that for the tip? Like I can't remember. For Florida? For Florida, yeah. New Navarra. Nudivara. Um, yeah, just kind of a weird one. Like, I can't really fault anyone on that. It was it was Ned that was in goal for that game. Yep. That was a weird one. He didn't like obviously it's a redirect. That's a pretty tough one. Um and then it was uh the power play like struggled. And it was Barkroft that scored at the end. I don't think it was shorthanded, but it was the end of the power play. Am I right on that? Yeah, it was a terrible breakdown, and uh Duclair kind of picked off a pass from I want to say it was who threw that pass. Do you remember? It's been like the second unit. I don't remember. Um, I want to say Fabry, but I'm not sure. Okay. But anyways, Duclair picked off a pass, went down, fanned on his shot. Um, had Nadelkovich scrambling. He shot it from behind the net. 
it hit his back and it was laying there. Whistle should have been blown, as Bucigas said that as well. Right. Um, uh, it wasn't blown. Barkov kind of took two whacks at the pads and it, it trickled in. Right. Um, and it, it counted. I'm not like, I wasn't like really like over the moon, like upset about it. Like I wasn't like, I was like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know me at the, in the moment. I just wasn't pissed about it being a goal. I wasn't pissed. I was more annoyed how badly the Red Wings handled their neutral zone there. I was more, yeah, I was more, I was more distracted on how bad the power play was and then how it switched into that chance. They deserve to run there. there. They deserve to. Yeah. I mean, it's tough for Ned because yeah, that's just kind of a storyline so far this year is Ned. Ned is the new, Ned's new Grice from the beginning of the year last year. Zero Uh, goal support. I think he's been, no, no. he's been, he's been better than Grice. He's been better than Grice, but like the goal support from the team hasn't been there. Yeah. Grice really took off at the end of the year last year. Right. Um, yeah, no, Ned's been Ned especially he's been good, especially of late. This game, this game too. Like I think he faced like is it 40 shots this game? 33. 33. Oh, it's 40 shots in Montreal. Yes. Um, yeah, like, oh, this is this is the game. I thought Rasmussen had a bad game. I thought Rasmussen hasn't looked good all season besides maybe two games at the start, but. Um, <laughs> yes and no. Do we want to, do we want to touch on Rasmussen right now? Do we I would to love to touch on Rasmussen for okay. six hours. I could run into <clears throat> this. So yeah, Rasmussen kind of got some flack in the Wickham household this past week, this past oh, week. Especially from a uh, dad. Yeah, dad like really got on the train quick. It's pretty funny. Um, he's gonna laugh when he's hearing this, and I just, I, just, I like the thought of that. Um, yeah, Rasmussen. Every play offensively, when it comes to his stick, dies on his stick. That's my biggest complaint with him. I know a lot of people on Twitter are like on him about the the puck protection thing, which is bad in itself. But he's legitimately a black hole on on offense. Yes, he's he an could, offensive liability. He is, and um, I know you said you don't think he's really looked good at all. I think he's had moments in a couple, like more than two games. I thought like the Montreal game. I didn't think he was that bad. This past one? Yeah, I don't think it was that bad. You're kidding? No. What did he bring? I mean, nobody all. brought it. Nobody brought anything. I thought he was fine, though. Like I thought he particularly every play, he was just trying to put the puck on Raymond and Fabry's stick, which caused a turnover every time because they're not just going to be open. You're skating three right. miles an hour, just looking to move the puck to move the puck. I listened to his pregame presser, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm going to try as hard as I can to get the puck to Raymond and Fabry because they're great players." That's basically that's basically how I sum it up. Great. I'm glad you're going to try to do that, but you're not going to be able to because nobody's going to be all doesn't have to be all over you because you're going to be skating at your same speed all the damn time. He is a liability on offense. And I, fr- quite frankly, haven't seen the upside that I've wanted to see defensively. He hasn't been defensively better than other guys on the team, which he should should be excelling at if he's going to be this poor on offense. Right. That was kind of a rant, and I could rant about this for 
probably three hours, but I would like to get off this topic so I don't stay this heated for this long. I just wanted to do so bad that like I have a hard time like criticizing him. So I'm glad like you're able to do it. Cause like yeah. I want him to succeed so bad. Cause like he was picked so high and like Red Wing fans were so pissed at him. And then we were like, we came around on him. And then now it's like, oh, you know, we're, we're back on the, you know, kind of the yeah. blues about him. I remember right when he got drafted, I, there was a couple guys. I, I think that I wanted, what pick was Gabe Velarde? I wanted him to fall to the Red Wings. He was picked after the Red Wings. He was. He was picked after Rasmussen. He that's who. Like, that's who I initially wanted. I think he was picked eleventh or twelfth. I don't remember. And I remember last year you, you and I got in a little bit of an argument, but when Rasmussen was starting to really pick up his game, I I was like, you know who we should trade for? That's doing really bad this year. I said Troy Terry. We should try to flip <laughs> flip Michael Rasmussen for Troy Terry because Troy Terry was having a an abysmal year and and they were trying to trade him. Could you imagine? Yeah, he's now what seven goals in the year? <laughs> he has uh an eight game point streak right now. He has eight, yeah, seven goals, I think. So this is really funny. It's kind of like throwing back to the Jack Eichel thing. Um so when Anaheim was in like in the sweepstakes, uh we were talking me and Fugue were talking about like what would it actually be? And Fugue brought up Torterry's name and like Isaac Ludenstrom and whatever. I'm like like, I'm not a huge fan of Troy Terry. Like, I don't think he brings that much. Immediately after that, Fug literally sent me, like, my old messages from, like, months back. Yeah. Or, or weeks back. And he sent me, like, the screenshot of Troy Terry, me ripping on Troy Terry. So it's really funny. It, no. it is, because you ripped on him when I hear, like, I would never trade Rasmussen for Troy Terry. Yeah, I, I definitely regret saying that now. <laughs> I really wanted that trade because I... I didn't think we had enough skilled right-handers in our system and uh we still don't uh, we we don't but and i would have loved a guy like that that can bring such high skillfulness in the offensive zone no matter how much last year it wasn't unpackaged yet it's finally seeming like it's being unpackaged there in anaheim form and i'm i I love to see it because it means getzlaff succeeding too and i i like getzlaff a lot me too I do like Getzlaff. Those jerseys suck, though. Their jerseys they do. Suck. They do suck. Donkey. Never mind. Don't, yeah, no sad. Um, yeah, so who scored the first goal? I'm like looking back. Who scored the first goal in this game? We already Did I already say Who scored the first? Oh, Gagne from Stetcher. That's the Stetcher what I'm talking about. No, there was the, the one. You were right about the one in Washington. Okay. He domed the goalie. That's right. Okay. I'm a genius. Back up. Um, but yeah, Troy Setcher, Sam Gagne. We love Sam Gagne. I was pumped about that. And Mitchell Stevens got the other assist, which oh, I love Mitch. We love Mitch. Uh, I, I am a Mitch stan. Going back to the Rasmussen thing, man, I love Mitch over Michael Rasmussen. I'm not going to lie, though. Mitch doesn't bring a whole lot of offense either, though. You know what? It doesn't matter because he makes stuff happen. Whether it's offensive zone pressure, it doesn't matter if he's creating offense. He shoots the puck. He gets sometimes he'll have four shots a game. It doesn't matter how low quality it's creating rebounds and it's creating pressure. And he's moving his feet 24-7 and he's blocking shots 24-7. I love him. Speaking of blocking shots, what a sequence in this game. <laughs> That's a this little, was like a little. Do you want to get to that a little later when 
No, this is before this is before the other goal. Oh, it is. That's right. Yeah, this was this was started. That's why I did it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for ruining my momentum. Well, okay. You know, there we go. All right. So that's like probably like I've I've heard this said a lot, but like this if this happened in the playoffs, like this is the NHL's like wet dream for advertisements on this shift. John Tortorella in the booth for this game is all is all horned up listening to this. So I, I mean, John Tortorella was ready. John Tortorella was ready to get on the bench for this team after that sequence. So I'll explain a little bit in case. So it started with an Ernie block shot from Correct. on Forsling. Yeah, uh, it draws back play on a little bit. Ten seconds later, Ernie blocks another shot from Forsling. Puck bounces back. Fabry takes a shot, blocks it. Fabry blocks another shot. Puck bounces down to Huberto. The, this is when everything's going crazy right now. Huberto throws a nasty saucer pass through everybody right to, I think it was Montour. And, yeah, I think so. And Montour takes a shot, and Ernie and Fabry slide over on their knees, and DeKaiser ends up blocking it. DeKaiser <laughs> goes to clear the puck, his stick snaps. <laughs> and then uh, Montour rips it. Erna. Or no, this was in between. I can't even describe the whole sequence because it was such a mess. Ned was diving everywhere. Ned and made Ned, two hot, spectacular saves. Ned, the last save was the one that ended up bouncing out of the zone, but it was like yeah. 40 seconds. Yes, it was and wild. I know Max Boltman from The Athletic, the Red Wings beat writer, said that this is the loudest he ever heard else. Like Little Caesars Arena, was, this is the yep. sequence the loudest ever, which is insane to think about. Like, I, I thought the best part about this was after the game when they were showing the post game stuff i know you were just leaving so you didn't hear it but uh torts was talking and he couldn't wipe the smirk off his face he absolutely (laughs) i know you were joking about him licking his chops he was literally licking his chops he's like i love this it was awesome i i that's i had chills listening to that i'm like that's torts hockey right there that's Justin Applicator and Brandon Dubinsky on the World Cup of Hockey team. True. Essentially. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say Ryan Callahan. Yeah, that too. Ryan Callahan was, he was, was he in the booth with uh, Booch? Was he calling that or no? Or no. was he with Torts? I don't think he was with Torts either. Was he? Okay. Actually, I think he was. I think you're right. Yeah. I forgot to mention this game. Like, we almost had like Lucas Raymond's best goal of the year. The dangle on Uyghur. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I was literally I was literally standing. I was on my feet standing, like holding my mouth after and Bob absolutely robs him on the half breakaway glove. That was I would insane. like to mention too, I think the Wickham house almost blew up during that shop blocking sequence. I think we almost Oh yeah. That was we were really loud. We I was I was screaming. Yeah, but, but anyway, back to Raymond being elite. That was insane. Like he walks Mackenzie Weger. The fact, like he cuts through. I know it was on the power play, so it was a five on four, but it was also a break in that yes. he just decided he was going to take in. That's just some of the awareness, like he has that he's just like I'm going to take this over right here, which is unreal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was in, like the first. I forgot to bring it up. It was the first, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. Um, anyway, 
flashback to the third. Um, yeah, after that, so it was like six minutes left. After that, um, Pew Suter gets the tip in front from Cider to tie the game, and Puse gets his first, which I was I was pumped for Puse. Yeah, there was so much happening after the shot blocking. Uh, Larkin had that big half breakaway that he almost buried on, and then they get a break in here, and it's kind of a sloppy break in. Zadina takes a terrible angle shot, bounces over to Fabry. Fabry and Cider play a little catch up top. Uh, Cider ends up wiring it on net, and it was a pretty high, probably chest high tip. Suter redirects it to the five pole of Bobrovsky, and that place went wild. That was with about almost two. Now that I'm looking at my notes, left. I think I, I think now that I'm looking at my notes, I think I think the, the insane sequence was actually after the goal. No, it was before. It was before. Okay, so I'm wrong. Yep. All right. It was with like six uh, minutes left. The running scored with like two fifty left. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just totally interrupted you. Know, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um. Yeah. No. Pew, yeah. Pew Suter. He's been really like. I'm gonna bring him up. I'm gonna bring him up later in the games, like one of the later games, because I, I want to talk about him. But I was really happy for him because he finally like got the his first couple points as a Red Wing back to back. Like happy for him. Uh, Cider with that assist joined uh, a couple random names and Steve Eisman. It was Dutch Rebel, Dale McCourt, and Steve Eisman is the only Red Wings to record seven assists in the first eight games, which is pretty crazy. Wild. Um, but yeah, then we get we get we get OT, um, and immediately we follow back up with Larkin, Raymond, and but it was Nick Letty, I think this time to start with. Yes. Um, it was a good overtime. Like it was back and forth. Like, and then Huberto to Barkov, it was automatic. And I think it was Bertuzzi that like was supposed to be his guy there. Barkov, I think it was supposed to be Bertuzzi's guy. There were three guys in a line. Nobody had a guy. Yeah. And again, like, oh, well, like, yeah, only so much you can do. And after this game, the first line was fifth in the NHL in scoring chances with 18, like high danger scoring chances, according to staff leads, which was shown in the broadcast. So that was pretty cool. Um, Overall, very fun game. Like if they lose games like that, like I don't care. Especially to an eight, like at that point, eight and oh, and they're now not, or are they eight, oh, and one now? I think, yeah, Panthers. So, I mean, very quality team again. I, I picked them to win the Atlantic, I think they're they're legit. I also have an ongoing bet with them parlayed as winning the Atlantic and Carolina also winning the Metropolitan. Well, right now, that's a really you're looking, you're well, looking good. My other two teams are Colorado and Vegas, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like especially, Edmonton right now. Especially Vegas. Colorado will still win the... Honestly, sneaky this, choice in the Pacific would be Calgary. Yep. Uh, Calgary's been good. Colorado's still going to win the Central almost, in my opinion, easily. There's no way they, there's no way they don't. Um, Vegas could, still has a chance to come back, but not really, to be honest. I they're, think they're battling injuries, too much. I think, honestly, they might miss the playoffs. Yeah. They're missing way too oh, much. Like no, hundred percent no. Really, William Carlson. That division's out. horrible. I'm just saying, William Carlson's out for a really long time. 
And I think I think honestly it might go five and they might go five teams to three. I think like five teams in the central might make it, and then like the Still, third who team makes it over them. Vancouver. Vancouver's not better than Vegas right now. Without uh with everything out, yeah. I think they're better. No, but they're gonna get stone and packs ready back sooner than later. There's no no ew, no. Okay. That's my prediction. Ew. Okay. Ew, ew, ew. All right, fine. Um overall, yeah, good game. And then we go into Saturday and we find out that uh Joey Poison gets called up. AKA Joe Valeno. I don't know why poison came up, but like someone translated Valeno to Italian and it means poison. So that was pretty cool. Um, the fun part about that for Joe Valeno getting called up is instead of getting on a charter or like a, like a commercial air airplane, he decided that Steve Eisman was going to drive him to the game and ride four hours from Detroit to Toronto with your general manager who happens to be like one of the best players in NHL history. Yeah, that was when I read or saw that. I almost erupted. I thought that was so funny. He was bound to have a good game after doing that. You just know you have to perform after that. Yeah, and uh, when I asked about it, he like he was like, "I'm glad Eisman carried the conversation." And like we well, we listened to some Mich- the Michigan Michigan State football game, and yeah, I took a nap. It was good, but that was hilarious. I love the video of like them like pulling into like the uh i was about to say the arcana center but it's the scotia bank or scotia whatever arena and um like i don't know just reminded me of like a 14 year old yeah yeah like a 14 year old dad dropping off the kid yeah it's like them both walking in together too like steve eisenman is walking in as well which is hilarious and joe valeno just carrying his stuff which is like as an nhl player it's just funny to see yeah um yeah Going in, so yeah, we get Joey poisoned for uh, Adam Ernie because Adam Ernie blocked thirty million shots and probably could not walk, so he earned a night off for yes. sure. Um, yeah, so going in Toronto, we play against Peter, Peter Morazic, ex ex Red Wing, and uh, Osterly was also in for Stetcher, so that was another talking point. I was excited to see Osterly after not seeing him all season. I thought he's earned, not earned. He, I just kind of wanted to see him in game, and I thought he performed pretty well. Um, yeah, no, no. I, so I guess we can kind of like this one. We is more fresh. We can kind of like go. Off, I don't want to really read off my notes. I was really relying on the notes for the first couple games, but I kind of want to go freehand here. Um, Jordan Osterley, I was really impressed with Jordan Osterley. I thought he was very solid, and it's like it sucks seeing, um, like our guys that like we viewed at the beginning of the year is like our fringe, like sub in some out guys. It was like Lindstrom, Australian Stetcher. It sucks to see like those three, like playing pretty well. And Dan DeKaiser gets to stay in the lineup. Yeah. Because like, there's like, there's no way, like I understand Australia is like, he shouldn't be playing like top four, like minutes at all. I thought that's, I'm totally fine with that, but like he should be in the lineup over him for sure. In the reality of things, the way the defense is built, we don't have four defensemen that should be playing top four minutes. We have three defensemen that are capable of playing top four minutes, and we don't have a fourth. We have right. a, we have a boatload of possible fifth and sixth defensemen and one defenseman that probably should be placed in the AHL. 
Probably. Maybe the EC. I, I don't know. Okay. Maybe send him back to Western. Yeah. To develop more. <laughs> to develop more. Um, yeah. I thought Osterley was really good. Go back to Joe Valeno. Like, I, I don't really like, I don't know. I don't want to break it play by play here. Like, I want to like go offhand and like have a conversation about it. Um, well, should we note that the Red Wings lost this game five to four? Yeah, this ended up being a five four loss, but it was like, it was like pretty like there's definitely breakdowns in this game. There's definitely some defensive concerns. Um, but overall, like there was a lot of fight in the Red Wings and there was it was pretty entertaining. This is a game that frustrated me drastically. There were moments I was happy with, but for the most part, I was very frustrated with neutral zone play and defensive zone play. Too many breakdowns on both sides. I thought offensively, they showed a dynamic that I loved to see, especially without Bertuzzi in the lineup. It was good to see. Yeah. Um, I really was like... Joe Valeno had Joe Valeno was easily like the best Red Wing this game, I think. Uh first and second period he was uh sluggish. Slow. Understandably, he drove in a car for four hours. Right. Um third period, he was the best player on the ice. Yes. Both teams. Both teams, easy. Um yeah, the what was it? His goal. So bring up Rasmussen. That was a really good pass by Ras. I'd hope you can make that pass. This is this is the other side of this. I know like, you can say great pass, Rasmussen. That was a great play. But you know what? If you can't make that pass, you shouldn't even be in the AHL. There's a guy streaking wide open in the slot with no coverage on him at all. I don't know what the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing here. Joe Valeno is streaking by himself. Headlights are going towards the goal, ready to catch a pass and bury. You need to be able to make that pass. I'm glad you made it, Rasmussen, but that doesn't make you any better than you have been. No, I'm just saying like... It's My like grandma could have made that pass. Our right, grandma could have made that pass. Yeah, let's not go that far. Um, there was a guy on um, on Rasmussen, to be honest. Like, there was a guy, like, in that area. Okay, uh, cool. You're six foot six. You should out-muscle him and make a pass. That's, I feel bad now. Where's, I don't... Uh, I don't... Where's dog and Rass? He's not been good. I, I don't know. I I can't not dog him. Just visually upset right now. Um, overall, like that play really started with Nemesnikov though being a dog on the boards, and I, and I like remember him streaking down there. Yeah, and very good play by Valeno to get open. Notably, great shot. I thought Nemesnikov and Valeno looked really good together in the third. They were great in the third period. Showed good chemistry. And it wasn't even on the two goals. It's It was more on, just in general, them creating pressure in the O zone. And in the neutral zone, I thought Valeno is – he's really mature for his age and responsible, which I, co- I love to see. He had a couple plays in the D zone where he'd, like, catch the pass and, like, he'd have pressure coming up the wall. And he'd just turn back around and skate. I saw that more so playing center on in yesterday's game against Montreal. But, yes, there were maybe one or two times. But all game yesterday, he was so calm because you, you get the puck more in the D zone as a center. Right. But, yes, there were a lot of times yesterday that he – you're like, I trust him. Underrated part of his game is his speed. Yeah, he's very fast. 
he's very good on his skates. And like I, it's, I noticed that when I watched him, uh, and I know you'll get to watch him tomorrow too. But yeah, we can, we can both say we've watched him now. Uh, yeah, this year it's pretty funny. But I watched him play his the second game of the season in the AHL, and he ice level. He was almost the fastest player on the ice, in my opinion, and shows great confidence. And he showed that same confidence in his in the NHL thus far. He was always his vision, like coming out of like the like he was always like kind of this playmaker in the queue. That's kind of what he was pegged for. He was, you know, obviously he was the got the exceptional status, first player in the queue to get it. Um, didn't really pan out to be like the top of the end like Q player. Yeah, but he was very good. He's a very good Q player, but he wasn't like the exceptional status player. But he it's, he made it very obvious in this game that he should be on the team. I agree. And I think with his chemistry with with Vlad this game, I think might have factored into Blashell's lineup decisions on the Montreal game. Yeah, um, I I th- I, th- I think that's what it was. Okay. Uh I thought his his move on Nylander, man, that was just silky. He disgraced Nylander. He stole Nylander's soul on that play. Um, yeah, absolutely gets the puck. Go almost as like a Larkin thing, where like skates from like the the half wall up up towards the top of the blue line, and then cuts back in. And then dangles in and feeds Nemestikov in front. Yep. Very good. I mean, obviously, easy finish for Nemestikov. He's wide open. Yep. Um, but, hey, he put it in. Nemestikov has been producing, of like, you know, six points, ten games for Vlad. It's pretty good. Yep. Very happy. Um, yeah. Joe has been awesome. Like, or it was awesome in that third period. Um, the, I should like, mention a couple of the neg- negatives. Um so there was the one goal. It was the Kerfoot goal beginning of the third. This is why I wanted to like go into my bigger conversation about Hugh Suter. I have not been a fan of him at center. I don't know what your opinion is, but he's been a couple times where he's just kind of blown coverage on in the D zone and he's not exactly producing. So I don't know if the workload's too much for him without Kane and stuff with like that such an easy, like skilled player to pass the puck to. You know what I mean? Um, maybe. Uh, the first couple games, I was a pretty big fan of his play and thought he was really responsible. And there's been games where I thought he's really responsible, and then others I haven't been as much impressed. But I love his game in the ozone, how he can slow things down so well, and he's he's such a patient player. I would like to see a little more urgency in the D zone, though. And that I haven't seen it yet from him. And usually he isn't making too many mistakes. And you can't completely blame that goal on him. But I know what you're saying. That was three players below the right. goal. Right. I have all I have all three three players written down. Yes. I also thought Nick Letty the last two games has been bad. Yeah. That's just me. So I like I think that's my yeah. It's been pretty obvious that Nick Letty's like he those yeah. were his worst two games. Um but anyway, back to Peace Suter, like I don't think he's been playing like awful or anything. I just don't think he's been good at center. I think like, I know it sounds way too early, but I think Valeno could be like that. He should fill it. Like that's what I said at the beginning of the year. I said, if Pew Suter does not work out at center, you have Valeno that could, that could come up and earn his spot at the second C. Um, I would like to see Valeno play more in the third line for right now. 
I've liked what he's looked or how he's looked with Nemestikov thus far and would like to see him gain some more confidence down there before you bump him up to a second line role. Because ultimately, I think that second line's pretty deflated right now, and I haven't liked the way they've looked. And especially with all the incoming players and incoming or outgoing players recently, there's been hard to develop chemistry right now. So it's kind of a shit show right now, if I'm being honest. And I haven't liked that at all. Yeah, the only other way like you could run it like that, like is you go you flip Fabry and Suter maybe. And you put Fabry at center. Or that. I I I have liked how Fabry's looked at center. But I have well, that's we, where he's penciled in for tomorrow. Well, that's because Larkin's out. Yeah. It has nothing to do with him looking good at center. Right. right. I I don't know. I probably should say Zadina. I, I would like to see him. He scored a power play goal in this game. Um, I want to see him shoot like that all the time. I, I only see it on the power play when he has time and space. If he doesn't have time and space, he's not there. I, I haven't seen any offense from him. Yeah, my biggest five complaint was my biggest complaint was Zadina's five on five shooting. I think like five on five in the ozone, he's been making himself available and like he's been hounding the puck like when they lose the puck. And like he's been hard on it, but like he's not shooting. He's immediately looking for a play and then he's not not getting open. You know I, I, mean? I almost feel like he's looked too comfortable this season so far. He's not showing super urgency. He looks slower. I he's the five on five shots that he is taking are from outside the dots, which I hate. It bugs me. Right. He can't find himself space in between the circles, which he needs to be able to start finding space there if he wants to score goals. Yep. No, I, I agree. Um, um, like, it, again, it, like, and it's really I, early in the, it's really early it was in the a season. Really nice goal, though. I should know. Oh, yeah. So right before that, the cider pizza. Yeah. That was, uh, that was scary. Cider made a good move earlier in the play, like to get it to Raymond there. Also, I should mention, that was last, or no, no, it was this game. Where they were Tange switched for Zadina on the first unit with Raymond, them opposite. Big fan of that. I like that. Um, because it gives it gives like two like options to move through because Zadina is good to move the puck through on power play. I agree. And you have Raymond who's been great to running through. through, also. Um, but Cider got a little too cocky, threw a backhand no look, and it went to Engvall, and Engvall went down, hit the post. And so we got a little lucky there. Um, but yeah, um, he immediately gets the, like we immediately get back entry and then Cider immediately poised, forgets about it, makes the play to Zadina and Zadina rips it and scores. Like we know we can, we know what he can do. That's my favorite thing about Cider too. I, I noticed it last year. He would make mistakes playing for Rogla and he just, he'd wash it within a second. And when Line walked him in preseason, everyone was freaking out over his defensive game after one play. That was uh, ridiculous. That was ridiculous. I, I was like, literally, this, I've seen this guy walked on numerous occasions playing in the Swedish League. And the next shift or the next game, he'll look spectacular because he'll know I messed up. Well, just think, just think the, the, when they played Columbus that game, he immediately there was a situation that happened where Lina came down on him 
Yeah. And he immediately remembered it. You could see his body language and he knew yeah. exactly. I knew exactly. I'm like, line is not getting through him right here. Yeah. And calmly as ever pokes it right off line. Yep. stick. Unreal. Um, but yeah, this game was pretty nuts. Um, five, four, obviously. So like Tavares had a big game and of course, Marner scores his first goal. I knew it was going to happen. Um, off the, everyone was blaming Grice for this play on Twitter. Not Grice's yeah, fault. Those those guys are lost. Not Grice's fault. No, when you're the goal, when you're the goalie behind the net, you're in a in a goalie mask. You cannot see peripherally. That's not what it's for. It's for protection. So he's relying on his players to communicate to him where to put the puck, right? And Nick Letty calls Nick Letty and Dylan Larkin call for the puck. I know you brought up Larkin. I was more so mad about Nick Letty on this play, but you also mentioned that Nick that Larkin called for the puck from Nick Letty. So Letty makes he panics. Marner takes it off his stick. Wolf Grice still behind the net. Marner puts it in the empty net. Um, that's just a play. I, Letty needs to bump back to his D partner because he's open, and yep. make the easy play, and you're out of the zone. And this sets you up for a six on five situation because time is dwindling. Right. It was only four three at this point. Yep. Um, so yeah, they score five, three and I'm like, I knew we we're going to lose the game at that point, but like the Red Wings didn't give up, which I really liked. They, they scored with 30 seconds left. Uh, Raymond gets the puck in the corner, backhand throws it like middle of nowhere. It was kind of like a hope and a prayer pass ends up bouncing and bouncing in front. Heronic absolutely slams it. That was a cannon. Yeah, that was a rip. Um, happy. For, I thought Heronic actually played pretty solid this game. I didn't think I thought like. For the most part, I thought Heronic bounced back pretty well from the scratching. I have thought he's been, comparatively to how he had looked before, he's been terrific. Yes, comparatively. Um, but yeah, it's, then Marner's body language on this was insane. Yeah, you could tell he was deflated. Um, yeah, crazy. So, yeah, then the Red Wings only have 30 seconds left. They don't score, to, so it ends 5-4. Um. Yeah. So, ends up Cider ends up in the the game. He gets the rookie defenseman record for I think it's the red. Yeah, the Red Wings, right? Yeah. Yep. Eight eight points, nine games. Pretty great. Um, Joe Valeno, bad man, wants nothing to do with Gr. Pretty great. Yep. Loved it. Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, kind of finishes. Yeah, finishes that game. I had like notes from like uh, I have like a bunch of notes from that just don't apply anymore. So I guess we'll get into like this week where we're really fresh on. So practice on Monday. Larkin's not there, and it was announced it was a maintenance day. Ernie Ernie was skating, which was positive, and so we didn't really think much about the Larkin thing. We're like, oh, he's just not skating today. Tuesday comes around, still not there. Announced that he's not gonna he's not gonna play against Montreal, and we get we get to experience first line Michael Rasmussen. Uh, before you go on that, uh, I would like to mention that Cider was also mentioned or lit, named as the rookie of the month for was, the was it on that Monday? Uh, it was before oh, it was the Montreal game, so yes, Tuesday. It was Tuesday, so I was I was gonna get to that, but uh, I had that right here. Yeah, but uh, I have a bunch of like notes on cider. Like we could, I think we should just talk about cider right now. What's yeah? 
what's uh give give my man his flowers um so this is like when we drafted Mort Sider, like we didn't, we weren't expecting this. We weren't expecting a defenseman to get like this many points. And obviously, like even beginning of the year, like even when we started this year, we didn't think we didn't think Sider's production would be this good. I, we, I think I think I pegged him at the beginning of the year for five goals, twenty five assists, and I thought that was like. And I think I'm right around thirty as well. I still don't know how sustainable this is and how many points he will end up with. Well, obviously, eight points in ten games. If you like count that out through a full season he's not gonna end up with like 60 some points no but 40 now we see 45 maybe yeah maybe um but overall like his his end zone stuff it's been unbelievable i have like i was working again i was working on articles i have like notes i just gotta i gotta mute quick hold on okay um so Hell. Did I just cut out for a second? I have no idea. Okay. We're off the rails here. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, I think it's just you. I think it's just me. So, I wanted to talk about Moritz Sider because, like, he got this award with Dan DeKaiser for playing with Dan DeKaiser for the most part. So, Moritz Sider's expected goals without without Dan DeKaiser on his, on his pairing is almost 60%. Which is insane. That's very good. With Dan DeKaiser on his pairing, he's at 34%. Yeah. Dan DeKaiser's ruining Moritz Sider, like, analytically. And it's obvious in the ice as well. But I just wanted to bring that up quick. Because I was, like, doing my article. And Moritz Sider, it's been huge for the Red Wings. Like, he looks so comfortable everywhere. Like, like his ice time has been slowly improving in every game. He played his career high against Florida. 26 minutes, which is bananas. Um, second on the team in ice time so far at 20. At 20, I mean, actually, at 20 years old, he's averaging tw- over 22 minutes. Um, but yeah, he got promoted to the first power play unit, which he well deserved. He's like very comfortable there. Yep. Yeah, every like every play, like he again, he he's he has been making mistakes, but like he quickly makes up for it. Yeah, he's been fabulous. I I just it disgusts me how he's paired with the Kaiser right now because it really truly I, I it bugs me so much. He should not be paired with him. The Kaiser shouldn't shouldn't be on this team. I don't care who you put with Cider. Um I would say Heronic needs Letty right now. See, I to, thought that pairing was I thought that pairing was kind of rough. I, I almost would do I go Nick Letty back with Cider and then you go stall with Ronick. Or that. Uh, that would work too. I, I just I don't know. It, it's pretty brutal to watch to Kaiser just ruin everything Cider's doing. Not to be such a Debbie Downer, but it's embarrassing. Like, yeah, get back to let's get back to Cider, being happy about Cider. Um <laughs> Again, like he's this is he's been like starting off. He's been like he's breaking records for Red Wings defenseman. Like it's it's a fact. Yeah, it's been great. Um, he's playing physical. He's not backing down. I mean, we had the Headman play against yeah, where he took the puck off Headman's stick. He's got confidence. Yeah, 
I love that, like how like he got brought up in his uh his press conference, and like he immediately just like changes the subject. He's just, like, yeah, I don't really, like, I don't care about it. And I he's like, it was, it. oh, he like he, it was a quick press conference today, but like basically he said like he cares about winning. He's like, it's cool and all, but I just want to win. Yeah, which hell yeah, it's great. Um, but no, he's been. I know we keep talking about Lucas Raymond and like stuff like that, but like he definitely earned the rookie. I think he it was the right call for him to be rookie of the month. I agree. Um, I know I heard someone say like, why not Raymond? But like I think I think it's a lot it's a lot more impressive what Raymond or what Satter's done. It's harder me. for a young defenseman to come into the league than a young offensive player, right. in my opinion. There's also a isn't this crazy to think about? Like during a rebuild, this is the first Red Wing to win Rookie of the Month since Larkin in 2015, November 2015. I mean, not really. We haven't had young players come in until this year. Zadina. I mean, he wasn't really great right away. Had, yeah, I mean, I get like full time. Like Zadina was the only one that we really had that like played. Besides Rasmus in his first year, but like, he didn't really play high minutes. Yeah, and he's not a point getter. Well, I mean, we thought he was going to be, but I didn't think he was going to be. <laughs> I thought he was. Like, I, was, I had high hopes from. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll obviously congrats to Mo. Awesome. Like, we're like, as Red Wing fans, like, I think he's our probably, he's mine. He's my favorite player now. Quickly, he's become my favorite player. And. Super pumped to like have him on the team. I know I got a, I got a question from Fugue. He was debating a kid on his hockey team, and the kid asked, "Who would you rather have? Or if, if the Red Wings had to get rid of one player, who would you rather have, Raymond or Cider?" I, uh, I, 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 I said Cider. Yeah, I said Cider, hundred percent. Just because like, you that kind of defenseman doesn't grow on trees. Or yeah. Raymond, I know I know Raymond's skill doesn't grow on trees either, but like, like Cider's had. He's a special player. Cider is has the possibility to be a franchise defenseman. 100%. And I don't 100%. think Raymond won't be a franchise forward. Oh, yeah, probably not. No, probably not. He he won't be. I, I love Raymond. He's been great. I see him possibly being an elite level winger on a top line. Which is which is what we're hoping for. Which we is fabulous. Him. It's not right. franchise, but he's he's gonna be great. Yeah. So we get into uh oh yeah, we should talk about yeah, first on Rass. So we had, we 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 decided at the beginning of the game we were gonna look at it a little positively. You you said you liked it because it gives three solid lines going into the game. I not solid per se, but lines that can battle. Montreal has a deflated lineup too. Um, they spread the wealth around, and right. I, I felt like we were spreading it around, and our fourth line is always going to give that energy, and then you have three other lines that are going to be able to compete. Right, and I liked it because it was going to force Rast to play with the puck more. And, like, because I know a lot of his game is, like, the third line was, like, chip, dump, and get the cycle game going. I wanted him to play with the, play in the neutral zone a little bit more, like, skate with the puck a little bit, and, like, really push him. Like, I wanted to see where he was at. Obviously, it didn't end up well. So, my counter counter to you is, haven't we already seen what he does in the neutral zone? You've talked about how 
every time a puck comes his way, it's a black hole. And yeah. I've noticed that in the neutral zone too. Every time the puck bounces his way, it's a turnover or the puck disappears. Where does it go? I thought maybe like I watched his press conference soon. I like I thought he was gonna step up. I really did. I really thought he was gonna be I didn't think he was gonna be like this elite, like top six player, but I thought he was gonna look fine. I thought like I thought they're gonna create chances. They did have like one like solid shift for the created chances, but like again, like it wasn't really Rasmus and that was like stirring that pot. Um so yeah, that's tough to see. Um, it should be mentioned that like I know we said Larkin was out this game, but like it was out for personal reasons, and I just hope everything's okay with Larkin. Obviously, there's more important things than playing hockey, so I'm yep. glad he's taking time away. So I, I know at this point he didn't skate today or skate today Wednesday, so I, I doubt he's gonna play against Boston on Thursday, which is a bummer because I'm gonna be there. But again, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Like I'm glad he's taking time away for whatever's going on. I hope everything's okay. Yep. Um. So yeah, going into this game, I I was like I was I thought we were gonna win, I did. We got we got absolutely destroyed by Montreal last game, and Blasio was making a big deal that like we got destroyed last game. And, like I thought like the Red Wings were gonna show up. I thought it was gonna be like a two one win. And um, ugh, f- first two and a half minutes were just all in the Red Wings zone, and Montreal ends up scoring. We I had- know I shot you a message probably six minutes into the game. And texted you this that the second line needed to be divorced. The second line of Suter, Ernie, and Zadina started the game. They were on the ice for two minutes and 15 seconds, I believe, to start the game before clearing the puck out of the zone eventually. That yeah, line looks slow, sluggish, no urgency. I know I'm being really predative right now and just yep. horrible. That was my big. That was my big key in this game was urgency. Like for a road game, usually your biggest thing is urgency, because yep. you want to get on them early, and then you can kind of like become a shell at the end. Instead, you like, let Josh Anderson walk all over you. Like Montreal years. played the perfect road game, being at home. Yeah, you you jam pressure down the other team's throat for the first twenty minutes, and then shell the rest of the game. Yep. Um, I kind of hinted at this earlier, but like Adam Ernie, like with the injury and whatnot, like yeah, we missed the last game. Like I'm gonna give him some slack, like being slow. Like he probably could was still fighting like a swollen ankle or something. But like cause he looked off. Like he didn't have a good game. Okay, then. Uh, and to counter you, I, I, I don't think we should be saying that kind of stuff though. Like if you're gonna play, be 100. percent Take a night off, another night off, and dress your body. Yeah, I suppose. Why? I why risk getting hurt more? To be out there and be a liability. Yeah, you no, can call but... someone up that's going to give a hundred percent. Well, I don't think they could have called anyone up simply because it would have been counted IR. I think because then then Ernie has to be out for a certain amount of days. So I think it would have been. I think Blashwell said it was going to be eleven and seven if he couldn't go. Okay, then perfect. Do that. Then De Kaiser doesn't have to play as much. I I just think if you're going to be in the lineup, and that would have gave us different line combinations. We probably would have had a better chance running 11 and 7, in my personal opinion. I yeah, thought maybe. Ernie was horrible. Zadina was horrible. Suter was horrible. That whole line was junk. You should have scrapped that six minutes into the game, like I said, and rolled different lines. We had, it ended up being a 3 0 game where we had no offensive chemistry going all game. 
And I think if you start throwing the different lines together when you're missing your two top offensive players, it's just going to create different looks. Yeah. And I'm not Not, saying it would have worked, but you would have got different looks rather than nothing. Right. Yeah, like it was definitely – it was really obvious that like we're missing our two best offensive players because like we couldn't get anything going. Um, It's sad when – at one point in the third, I think 10 of our shots was generated from our defense. We had 19 shots. And Cider had six of those. Yep. Crazy. And um, not just our best offensive players. It's also on the on the lines of probably our two biggest locker room guys. Right. So that, that hurts. It does. For sure. It's been – I mean, the Red Wings are 1-3 without Bertuzzi. It's tough. It's it's obvious when he's not when he's not in the lineup. Like it's yep. it's it's obvious. Um, tomorrow will is looking like to be the same without Larkin, which they played one without Larkin already. They won Bertuzzi. They did win, but it was against Columbus and they did not look good. I know Columbus has been good since. No, no, no it was against Vancouver. It was against Vancouver. You're right. Yep, that's right. That was a uh, first line center, Robbie Fabry, who had a 72 faceoff percentage. I looked that up today. He was great in that game. I thought Robbie, yeah, it was Robbie Fabry's best game that game. He was unbelievable that game. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Montreal game overall, we lose three nothing. Two of the goals coming in the first. Alex Vandalkovic had zero help. He was swimming. He made so many big saves. Uh yeah, noticeably in the first period, he was stellar. And as the game went on, it seemed like he kept getting better and better and being left out to dry less and less, but he was still so good. He was, yeah, he had 40, he had 38 saves on 40 shots. Um, Yeah, the Josh Anderson goal was like, that was a weird one because like it was pointed out by Larry Murphy at the intermission because it wasn't really the Red Wings fault because Montreal only had four guys on the ice. And then Josh Anderson gets out when the Montreal team realizes that they're in the D zone with only four guys, and then Josh Anderson streaks. Yeah, that's really weird. Because then, like, you can't really expect, like, the Red Wings defense. I know it was Cider, so Cider was a minus two. So you can't really expect Cider to be counting heads in the in the Ozone, or, the, yeah, the Ozone, and be like, oh, we're Montrealing us four guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a tough one. I don't know. I... You got to have some idea on what's going on in the Ozone if there's a guy behind you. You gotta know, but like, but he came from the bench, so it's like way out of his peripheral. I agree, but if there's, you gotta know how many guys are in the. Him and DeKaiser have got to know how many guys are in the defensive zone. I know it sounds like I'm picking on uh, DeKaiser and not like Cider at all on this, but like DeKaiser is the closest one to the Montreal bench in this play. So like, I don't know, maybe you could hear something. It doesn't matter. They both have to know. I, I, I don't put blame on. Either one of them specifically, I think... no. I'm not blaming them either. Like I'm just saying, it was a weird play. I'm Montreal saying... gets Montreal gets rewarded for being sloppy. Yeah, I I just think one of the two Red Wings defensemen should know how many def- how many players are in their own D zone, right? Right. There's four guys. You can tell it's like you're on a power play, and here comes Josh Anderson. You're like, where's the fifth guy? You gotta look behind you. I don't know. And if you don't look behind you, you have to drop back knowing that someone's about to change on the ice and make a stupid play like that. 
Yeah, I suppose. Um, There's different ways to look at it, but that's how yeah, I see it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I don't have much else. Like, I, I thought I was going to, like, spend most of the time on this game because, like, I had so much to say. We got absolutely caved. Like, it was not – it wasn't particularly close. No, Montreal, biggest takeaway Ma- Ma- I have is just Alex Nedeljkovic stood on his head. Yep, and lack of urgency. Blashelang said it best. He said they we played like it was a preseason game. They played like it was a playoff game. Outplayed and outcoached, in my opinion. That was a game where Blashell yep. got outcoached, and it was noticeable. Our only real offensive chance was on a five-on-three where we, we generated two shot attempts, and Zadina hit the post. Yep. It was a good shot, though. It was a good shot. I'm not. I'm not trying to rip on Zadina. Like he did what he could, but like, it's pretty bad when it's all you're. It's all you're generating. Yeah. So we're yeah previewing to tomorrow. I'm pumped. I'm gonna be in the stands at TD Garden. So lines today. We only got really in that. We we really really found out about the first line, which is Fab. It was Fabry between Bertuzzi and Raymond, which we've seen. I don't know. What's your guess on the rest of the lineup? Um, I hope they change that second line. Um, what would you do? What would I do? Yeah. Oh, that's a loaded question, Gar. <laughs> I don't know. Quite frankly, I think I would run. Um, I would probably go Suter. With Valeno and Zadina. Okay. And then I would run Rasmussen, Ernie, and Domestikov, then the fourth line, if Larkin's out. Yep. So I kind of like, that's how I would have been realistically if I'm like Blaschel. I think that's what's going to happen. There's no way that happens. Wait, actually, there is a way. Yeah, because he re- reunite that third line where I think Rass played the best with that. Um, but I have kind of like a nuclear one. Or the other way is he keeps Ernie on that third line. No, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be that same fucking second line. It's going to be garbage. It's going to be Ernie, Suter, and Zadina, and then Rasmussen centering Valeno and uh, Domestikov. Or wait, where's... And then yeah, yeah. You want to hear my? You want to hear my crazy one? Yeah. So second line of Nemesnikov, Valeno, and Zadina. Okay. Roll. And it. then I would go Suter on the wing with Ras, and then uh, Ernie. That would never happen, but yes, run it. Because I think, like, I think that could be very beneficial for both lines, and that's what I would be doing. Yeah, maybe. And then fourth line, I don't, like Mitch Stevens, and then I don't care. Gagne. I love Gagne. Gagne. Mitch Stevens and Gagne. And then I actually, actually try- I want Giovanni for this game. Why? Uh, I want him to fight Trent Frederick while I'm there. Oh. I thought that fourth line was our best line last game. Giovanni and Carter Rowney. And Mitch Stevens, yes. They were our best line last game. And that's not, not particularly up for discussion. They didn't do anything wrong. Nope. They were pretty inoffensive. I actually thought Giovanni played well, solid. I thought Rowney played well and solid. 
And there was a couple times Stevens would lose the puck in the ozone, but he was the only guy getting the puck in the ozone. So for that reason, he was a stud. Stud. And yeah, we've kind of laid out what we want to do with defense, but nothing's I don't think gonna change defensively, I don't think. No. Unless uh, God, unless they switch like Osterly for stature. Yep. Or if Gus Lindstrom's all of a sudden healthy. Yeah. And I'm assuming Grice will start. Mm, I would, yeah, I would assume. Unless maybe, unless they ride the hot hand. Not that Ned yeah. won, but like Ned played out of his mind. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I, I'm good with either. Like, I, I again, the goaltending this year has not been the problem. No. Nope. Yeah, first for through first 10 for the through. Oh, my God. I'm all plugged up, so like I'm now like in my head. Yeah, I can tell you, <laughs> dude. Like last twenty minutes, I've been fighting it. Pro- sorry to anyone like listening, and I'm like fighting this, but uh, four, 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 and two through ten games. Did you expect this? I mean, I wasn't really predicting. Oh, like their t- first ten games, but yeah, if you had told me that, I wouldn't have said you're crazy. I probably would have said, yeah, it makes sense. But they shouldn't be four, four, and two. I think realistically they should be six, two, and two. And if you told me that, I would think you're crazy. Yeah, I don't even think they, I think they'd be six, three, and one because they shouldn't have. The Tampa game, they should have won in a regulation. Yeah, I and don't know. I just kind of threw a number yeah, out there. But right. they should be around the six win mark. And I would have said, yes, that's a little odd. But usually they start a season hot. And cool this off. is a pretty good start. Not great, but there's definitely okay. positives to take out of this. Obviously, we're being like the rookies have been great. Yep. Goaltending's been pretty solid. Dylan Larkin's been really good. Tyler Bertuzzi's been really good. And then the biggest issue for me is like depth or not depth, but secondary. It's kind of been like miss like here and there. Like Fabry, I think, has been pretty good. Ernie's been pretty good. Nemestikov's been pretty good. So I, I don't like how you say secondary here. Well, secondary just Second... means anything past the first line. No, I, I it goes it goes primary, secondary, and then depth, Grant. That's how like the actual definition goes. I don't like that. Depth is like third and fourth line. So secondary is like hold middle on. six. Do you consider Mitch Marner secondary scoring? I guess no. That's my argument. I don't okay. consider that secondary scoring. I think that's that's primary. I guess I consider secondary anything like third line and then depth would be yeah, just random, I guess. I I don't know. I don't it's it's all secondary to me. There's primary and secondary. First and second okay. and then third and fourth. I think it's ridiculous to call a second line secondary scoring because they should be scoring. Fair enough, okay. Sorry, that's my little all right. Rant. I know that's how everyone calls it, but that pisses me off. Mitch <laughs> Marner plays on a second line. That's not secondary scoring. Leon Drysaddle is not fucking secondary scoring. Eat, oh, eat dirt. Eat dirt. That takes me off. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I, I think like besides like the big like the first line. Okay. I think Moritz Sider has been very good this year. The goaltending, and then after that's kind of been like. Here and there, again, like Robbie Fabry's been pretty good. 
Um, Zadina has been good at times. Nemeshkov has been pretty good all year. Mitch Stevens has been good. But again, like we need more producing. Like that's the issue. Right? I, I also think a guy you need to mention in there also is Gus Lindstrom. I think there's two D in particular and Mark Stahl too. He's, I think there's those three D have been consistent all year. And yep. like you said, the, the top line's been for the most part, really good. Every game they've played. There's, yep. I can think of maybe one game where not great. Um, then Nemestikov, he's been fabulous, in my opinion, all year comparatively to his season last year. Steven's great, like you said. And I, I would have to agree with you there. So the first line I wanted to like, I have this in my article that I was writing, but I don't know if I'm going to post it. So their, their Corsi, which is uh, shot like generation, their Corsi was at almost 58% which in comparison to the perfection line was perfection lines at 59%. Yep. So it's like just comparison, the two it's pretty, pretty crazy. Like that's how good they're playing. Yeah, that is very good. And I, I, I still take that with a grain of salt. It's 10 games into the season in the perfection line does this on a yearly basis. Right. So yes, through 10 games, they've been fabulous. And yeah. if they were together every game. Obviously, it's early. Like, I, like nice. I want to, yeah. Obviously, thank you for bringing that up. It's it's early, but it's promising. It is promising. So I'm just looking for guys like, I think Pew Suter needs to step up more. That's my biggest thing. Um, I Zadina think needs to step Zadina up. Needs, Zadina needs to step up five on five. That's I thought my, the, po- the power play has been really good. I power play has been great. I wouldn't say great. Uh, passing wise, he freaks me out a little bit a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, shooting wise, when he he seems like he's more confident in his shot on the power play, he just needs to find space five on five, and I yep. will be happy. I'll be content. Yeah, he doesn't really hurt you defensively. I mean, nope. Sometimes he'll make a dumb play in the D zone, which I didn't see much of last year. But I don't know. He needs to figure some stuff out. Yep, I've been like I don't think he's playing bad though. Like I know a lot of people are like dogging him on Twitter. I don't think he's been playing bad. I think he want, I just really, I want more from him. I almost think he took a step back from last year. I don't I don't shooting wise in the power play, I don't think so, but defensively he's not as urgent towards the puck. I haven't seen him take away the puck like he was last year. So I think there are some I don't know. Stuff I haven't liked as much as I did last year. Maybe it's just because another year and like the production isn't there yet. Maybe you're soured a little bit that way, but I I, I kind of see. I've been keying on his defensive game though. And yeah. last year I was so shocked by how much, how mature he's gotten at such a young age. And he still looks good defensively, but it's not last year's Adina with his him sprinting full speed down the ice to take away a puck. I don't know. It's right. just what, what you'd see all game, every game last year. So it, it does bug me a little bit, but I would like to see him get back to that. Yeah. Also like a couple, like I want to like, we'll finish off on a couple non, like, I mean, Red Wing prospects, but like non Red Wing, but uh, Kosa was named goaltender of the month for the WHL. Huge. Yeah, not shocking at all. This dude's a freak. He's a six foot seven freak. Inhumane. Who's rocking like a nine ninety five save percentage? 
crazy. Yeah, pretty wild. And I kind of want to talk on Edvinson because we watched part of his game, the part where he wasn't concussed. And yeah. now he's si- he's sick now. I saw. Yeah, like he's got the flu. He's sick. So, but no, he looked good that game. I was happy we actually got to like sit down and we watched together. Um, they were playing. We were playing Albert Johansson, who didn't play that much. When we watched. Um, he played quite a bit. Um, he probably played about seventeen minutes that night. Uh, I didn't notice him a whole lot when he was on the ice. There, were, there's one shift in particular that he made some nice plays, but yeah. I haven't watched a whole lot of him this year. I've watched a lot of Frolanda. Which is Simply Edmondson, Soderblom, and Niederbach, and Liam Dower-Nielsen. That would be yeah, why. It's easy. It's a one-stop shop. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with uh, seeing Soderblom. He's so good. Um, yeah, and you haven't even watched a good game from him yet. He really didn't do a whole lot that game. He made a couple of really good, like, really good plays where he was strong on the puck. I, I was really happy with. only recall one. There wasn't a whole lot going on in that game, to be honest. Yeah, I was really like I was really focused in on him though. Like I was like, yeah. when he got ever got on the ice, I was really focused in. But uh, yeah, no. So I'm I'm happy that Edvinson seems to be okay because again, he's been yeah. playing outstanding. Yeah, he didn't play last game obviously due to his sickness. Um, Niederbach ended up getting a nice assist last game too. That was a yeah. really nice play. That was yeah. a really nice play. Um, yeah. So just some positive notes in the prospect land again, like. Raymond Insider, it's not where the buck, you know, it's not where it ends. We have so much more coming. It's just the beginning. Um, but yeah, super excited for tomorrow. I'll be, yeah, I'll be getting to TD Garden. I'll post some pictures on Twitter. Pictures will be taken. Uh, maybe some video. We'll see. Um, yeah, we're hoping for, I think, I think the Red Wings are going to win. They usually do pretty well against Boston. You want to do, do like a score prediction? Um, Four to two, Boston. We got three one wings. Okay. Bernier was the Boston killer, so I'm not as. Yeah, uh, yeah, so I think Boston will win this one. Um, Because Boston's kind of struggling too, so it's going to be really interesting. Do you want to do a score prediction for Saturday against Buffalo and Sunday against Vegas too? Ooh, yeah. I'm I'm there for that. I want to mention that uh, Swayman's starting for Boston as well. Okay. Who's been struggling? They've both been not great when I've watched. No, Albark's been pretty good. Yeah, his numbers are good. He looks shaky. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo, Buffalo. I think we win. I, I go 4-1. Detroit. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'll stick with that. Um, Vegas, I think we lose. I think 3-1 to one Detroit. Ooh, okay. I think we're going to really lock down defensively these next couple games. After this Boston one, it's going to be four to two, and then I think two one goal performances this weekend. Coming off a back to back at the Joe, the Joe, Little Caesars Arena, Alice. Um, yeah. Um, no, I think um, they're going to lock up defensively this weekend against a Buffalo team that's been hot. Yeah, but, well, yeah, they're cooling down right now, but it's not sustainable for them. Um, sorry, Carson, love you, King. But also a Vegas team that's really banged up. We need to take advantage of that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hoping that I'm just hoping for exciting games. Like I honestly would like best case scenario is like balls. Like it's like a five four game I go to for the Red Wings in Boston. I don't care. 
but uh i'd love overtime too i'd love an overtime game but uh yeah i'm just hoping for compete i want some urgency i want some compete i just want to be entertained i don't care if we go own three whatever i think you'll see it tomorrow you'll see i think so i think so so yeah i think this will do it for episode 11 I think that's what it is. I need to. Stop, I think I just need to stop saying the episode numbers. I think we just need to you, start coming up with names. You need to stop saying I think this is episode. You need to know beforehand, or I need to start telling you beforehand. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I need to stop with that. It's a bad habit. Um, I think I'm sure to it. All right, stop it. So yeah, um, if you haven't already, please rate us on Apple. It helps people find us. You know, we're still pretty. It's pretty small starting out. Um, Follow us on Twitter. Tweet at us uh, at Garth Wickham uh, at underscore Garth Wickham. I think it's at underscore Grant Wickham as well. Yeah. And then Andy's Andy's linked in the, tw- uh, the podcast Twitter. Yeah, it's at Grant underscore Wickham. Right. Okay. Excuse me. Um. Yeah. Leave it. Leave a review. Do whatever. Uh. We're on. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. All the good stuff. So thank you everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.